Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Well, you look much better than I expected. It's a good-looking church, good-looking crowd. It's such an honor to be here. Hard to preach after an introduction like that. There's a lot of pressure, you know. I'm, I'm joking. Thank you, Chris, so much. I really love this church. I, I've only been here for like 20 or 30 minutes, but I can feel the presence of God here. And that's so beautiful. This is the first nightclub I've preached in, but I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, we're going to have a good time, and I believe that who likes to be challenged in church? Okay, good. Because hopefully you'll be encouraged this morning. There'll be grace imparted to you, vision imparted to you, but also challenged to live a life that looks like Jesus. That's one of the goals. But like Chris said, I'm, I'm from Awakening Europe. I live in Germany, basically in the middle of nowhere, right on the border of France and Switzerland. We live in a town of like 600 people. Not super glamorous, but it's a good place to go home and rest in the middle of traveling all over Europe. Um, I'm from South Africa. My family still lives there. I have one older sister. We need to pray for her. She recently turned vegan, and we need to pray. That's made family holidays very difficult when she wants to cook for all of us, and I have to receive vegan meals. So we need a partner. You guys need a partner with me. Who's in a partner with me? Amen. Let's pray for her. Um, but yeah, I've had a great time in California, and I'm super excited for what God's going to do. And before I move on, I just want to share what I saw God doing in this house specifically. While we were in worship, I was reminded of the um, Bible story with the woman of the flow of blood. If you've been in church any time of all, you're probably familiar with that story. This woman's had this issue with blood for multiple years. And she just knows that if she can come into contact with Jesus, all her problems will leave, all the pain, all the sickness will leave. And it's not that Jesus turns around and says, be healed. Jesus doesn't even really know that someone's creeping up behind him. And she just goes and grabs the edge of his shirt. And in that moment, instantly, all the flow of blood stops. And suddenly, this person who was an outcast in society, suddenly a person who was looked down on, becomes a beloved daughter of God, completely healed in that moment. And when Jesus left earth, what did he say? He said, I give you the Holy Spirit in my place. And I believe that this church is going to be a place so saturated by the Holy Spirit when people walk into here, they come into contact with the hem of Jesus' garment. So when they come into this room, they're going to contact the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gave in His place. And as they contact, come into contact with Him, all the sickness is going to leave. All the disease is going to leave. And the outcasts in society are going to become a part of society and a part of God's family. So I just prophesy that over this place, God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just be so present in this room, Father. When people walk through those doors, they'd feel like they're home. They'd feel like they belong. They'd feel like they've come into a family. We just declare over this room, over this building, a sickness-free zone, God. When people come into here, they come into contact with the one who heals. They come into contact with the healer. And we just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Okay, you ready for a Bible verse? I always start with a Bible verse because then the badly... It doesn't matter how badly I preach, you still got a Bible verse. Amen? Remember that in the car when you're going home if you're criticizing my preaching. Just say, at least you got a Bible verse. Okay, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I love this verse. 
challenged me so much and like literally changed my life. I'd never heard anyone preach on it. And when I read it, it was like one of those moments when you get so excited. And just a bit of history for First John. John had this crazy opportunity to actually live with Jesus for three and a half years, which is pretty crazy. I don't know if I would want to be one of the actual 12 disciples or just want to see how they interact with Jesus. It'd be a pretty crazy experience to live with Jesus for three and a half years. And he gets this amazing opportunity to actually do it. He sees the miracles Jesus did. He sees the life that Jesus lived. Everything about Jesus, he sees it. And by the time he's writing First John, it's about 80 years after Jesus has died on the cross. Now, if you've been in church for any time at all, I grew up in a, as a pastor's kid. I've been in church for quite a long time. You see a lot of different things in the church. You see a lot of belief systems. You see a lot of lifestyles. Sometimes you hear people preach things and you're like, I'm pretty sure the Bible says the exact opposite of what that person's saying. And you see all these different lifestyles in the church. Imagine John. He literally saw Jesus. He heard Jesus preach, and over the next 80 years, he's seeing the lifestyle. He's seeing the preachings people are teaching, and he's like, this is crazy. And by the time he's writing this book, scholars believe he's about 100 years old. He's too old to now go to the churches. So it's as if he's writing a summary back to the church of how he summarizes the gospel after his 80 years since Jesus died on the cross. And we're going to read 1 John 2, verse 6. So you can pull out your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone. Keep the androids in your pocket. This is a holy place. Okay, you there? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him, talking about Jesus, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Some translations say ought to live just as he lived. And my goal there isn't to condemn anyone, but it's to start a conversation. And that's the verse we can hear on tonight. Let's just pray one more time. Can we just close our eyes? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you're the one that empowers us to live a life like Jesus lives, that you're the one that empowers us to walk as he walked. God, I ask that no one in this room would leave here the same as they came in, God. That you love us where we're at, but you love us too much to leave us there, God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to welcome you again if you came. I just want to tell you that you belong here before you believe. Chris already welcomed you. There's people that came yesterday. You might not even know why you're here, but you walked through and you felt peace and you felt family. I want to tell you that you belong in this building and that there's a home here for you. That was just a random side note. But a few years ago, we were doing um, a stadium event in Prague in the Czech Republic. Chris shared a little bit about what we do. Basically, we hire out stadiums in some of the lowest percentage Christian nations in Europe that God says hire a stadium. It's not the wisest decision, when we go to a nation like Prague in the Czech Republic, in the whole nation is about 25,000 charismatic Christians. In the whole nation. And God's like, hire a stadium for 10,000. Like, God, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's half of the populations of Christians in a whole nation. So we hire the stadium, we go there. Prague is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, in my opinion. It's spectacular. You walk downtown, it's the old town, it's beautiful cobble roads, beautiful big churches. And I remember walking down there and just being amazed. And in the middle of these blocks, there's big um, statues of reformers, of Christian reformers. And it's just so beautiful. And we were exploring down there, and then we were like, let's come back tonight. There's thousands of tourists everywhere. So that night we come back, and I'm with some of the team, 
and naturally our whole team shares the gospel. It's just, it takes forever for us to get anywhere. It takes like a 10-minute walk becomes like an hour walk with five people, because every five steps, somebody's stopping somebody. And it's really beautiful because not everyone's bold and super loud. Some of the girls are super quiet. They just love sharing the gospel. I remember that night we were walking down, and it, it amazed me how much the city changed at night. Suddenly, every 10 steps, someone was like, hey, bro, do you want a prostitute? Like, what? No. Jesus loves you so much. And they were like, bro, I love Jesus. It's like, okay. And then, and then we would walk, and 10 steps later, someone would say, hey, do you want drugs? Like, you can see teenagers just buying and selling drugs everywhere. And we're like, no, we don't want drugs. But Jesus loves you so much. They'd say, bro, I know Jesus loves me. I'm a Christian. And after about 10 or 15 of these people literally stopping us, it's crazy. Every single one of their responses was the same, and it blew me away. Every one of their responses was, bro, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Drug dealers, pimps, people selling like bar crawl experiences. And at the end of it, I was a bit shocked by this. It was really getting me thinking. And I stopped the last drug dealer, and I said, and everything I was saying to them wasn't getting anywhere. It was like there was a wall. There was nowhere to talk to them. And this last guy, I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me a question. So I said to him, bro, what's, you, you said that guy's an atheist right there, right? He's like, yeah, he's an atheist. He's my friend. I said, okay, what's the difference between your life and his life? And it was the only time that whole night that one of them didn't have an answer. And this got me thinking because I grew up in the church. So I grew up going to church. I grew up as a Christian. So this got me thinking of like, what is Christianity actually? I started this conversation with me of like, what is it actually? Is Christianity going to church? Is Christianity believing in God? Is Christianity reading my Bible? Is it me praying? Is it me believing in God? Do I need to be baptized to be saved? Or is it just me believing that God's real? Can I believe in God and live an atheistic lifestyle and still be a Christian? And it just started this conversation inside of me. It started questions like, do I need to go to church? Is God angry with me if I miss church? Is God angry if I make a mistake? And all these questions started to come up because I grew up in church, and the reason I went to church was literally just so I could be right with God. I hated going to church. I said it. I hated going to church. It always gets super awkward when I say that. But I did. Because Christianity to me was me constantly falling short of God struggling through the week and then going to church so I could feel right with God and then going and getting cake and coffee with my parents. And that was like the best Sunday ever because I got cake, I got coffee, and I got right with God. And that's basically revival to me, amen? Coffee and God. But that was my experience. And then it was this thing of never, never being able to actually get free of sin, never actually being able to be right with God. I remember when I was about... I've always loved to preach. And like I said, my dad was a pastor. And if any parents in here have teenagers, you'll know what I mean. When I turned 14, I hit the pinnacle of wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> right? 14 years old is when you know everything. So I remember going up to my dad and saying, Dad, it's time you give me the mic. I'm ready to preach. It's time to give me the mic. My dad was like, he was wise. He was like, no, of course not. He kind of laughed. I was like, and for the next few years, this like conversation happened. I got like, dad, it's time for you to give me the mic. I'm ready to preach. I've always, and it never happened until I was about 17. I remember him being like, okay, you, you can share now. And I was like, huh, okay. Now I have to actually preach about something. That's a bit of a problem. 
so now I'm like reading my Bible, I'm like digging into the Bible, and I read this word righteousness in the Bible, and I'm like, righteousness, that's a cool word, let me Google what it means. I've grown up in church, but I didn't actually know what it means, so I Google righteousness, it means right standing with God. So I remember I prepared this whole message about how to become right with God. You need to attend church, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray. I look back at that message, it was the worst message I'd ever preached. And hopefully that doesn't happen again today where I look back and I'm like, that was all wrong. I'm believing that's not going to happen. But that's what happened. I preached this message and looking back now, I'm like, that's how I actually understood Christianity. Was that I had to come to church to be right with God. That I needed to pray to be right with God. That I needed to read my Bible to be right with God. And I believe there's potentially some people in here that are stuck in that, even if it's subconsciously, but today you're going to be free of that. And I want to hit on, yeah, you guys can clap. I'm preaching my best. You guys can say amen as much as you want. You guys can do whatever you want. Okay, let's, let's read 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to hit on a verse here, which, which I believe, this verse revolutionized the way I looked at this idea of righteousness. The word righteousness simply just means right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 you have to remember, before we read it, that Jesus was completely human and completely God. He was completely human because the Bible says he learned obedience. It says he grew in favor with God and man. He was on a journey. He was completely flesh, but he was completely God. And that was the only way he could be an example to us of Christianity. If he was completely God, it would have been unattainable for us to live out the life. But he came in the likeness of man so that we can actually live out the example which he set for us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Remember, he, and he was the only human to ever have no sin in his life. He never sinned. Once in his 33 and a half years, no sin. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So God made Jesus who had never sinned to become sin, right? So Jesus actually became sin on the cross. It wasn't just Jesus died on the cross, it was also sin. You with me? Second half of the verse. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Stay with me for a second. How did Jesus become sin? Did he need to sin to become sin? No. Some of you are like, I don't know what the right answer is. No. God made him become sin, right? God made him who knew no sin to become sin. He didn't have to sin. God made him become sin for the cross. So if Jesus didn't have to sin to become sin, why do we think we need to act righteous to become righteous? God makes us righteous. Jesus didn't need to sin to become sin. He became sin so that you become righteous. God makes you righteous. Going to church does not make you righteous. God makes you righteous and then you want to go to church. Reading your Bible does not make you right with God. Jesus made you right with God and then you want to read your Bible. Praying does not make you right with God. Jesus made you right with God and now you want to pray. Now I like going to church. I wake up in the morning happy, not hating my life anymore because I wake up and say, God, I thank you that I'm right with you. He became sin. You become right with God. The only way you can actually live that out is by believing that you are already right with God. I'll say that again. The only way for you to actually live right with God is by believing that you are already right with Him. You will live out what you believe about yourself. If you believe you're going to sin for the rest of your life, you will. You will live out what you believe about yourself. 
If you believe that you're right with God, you can live free from sin. You have the ability to sin, sure, because you still have a free will. But the power of sin is broken. So when you believe you're right with God, you can begin to actually live right with God. And it won't happen until you actually begin to believe that. Because my journey was in the middle of this, in the middle of figuring out righteousness, in the middle of figuring out what, that I was right with God. Because I never did evangelism growing up in church. That's a bit of my journey. I was, God made me shy. I have all the excuses, all the Christian excuses. I'm not an evangelist. God made me shy. He would have made me bold. I do relational evangelism. Hey. That's a new one that's kind of coming in. Uh, <laughs> I'm into relational evangelism. Um, I had all the excuses. And I remember like when I'm starting to believe I'm right with God, in the middle of this, God puts people around me that are preaching the gospel every day. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. There's more to Christianity than going to church? God, where's this been? Like I'm going to Walmart with people and the sick are getting healed. And I'm like, wow, there's more than a Sunday morning? This is rad. I actually think I could like Christianity. I actually think I could enjoy this potentially. So the problem is, though, in the midst of this, I'm like, God, I want that in my life, but you made me shy. God, you made me afraid of people. So, so now, I was living in Redding, California at the time, and one of my roommates is actually in the back, so he knows this. I would literally, to find time alone was very difficult. I had eight housemates. So I would literally have to wake up and go into my clothing cupboard and close the door and lie underneath my clothes. And he remembers, he'll tell you, he'll wake up, like listen to me praying in tongues or playing worship in the cupboard, and he would come in and like get his clothes out, and I'd just be seeking God. And it was so special to me. And I was like, God, in the middle of that, I'm like, God, I want to preach the gospel. That was it. I was like, help. Help is a really good prayer. That's why Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper, because he probably thought you would need help. Maybe. Maybe. It's like he called him the comforter because he probably thought you might need comforting. Okay. So I'm in there and I'm like, God, I want to preach the gospel. I want more. So for like three weeks, I'm like, God, I need this. And I remember one day the Holy Spirit asked me a question so clearly. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit because in the moment, like I wouldn't have wanted to hear that question. It was like one of those Holy Spirit moments where you're like, oh, peace out, God, that's the end of my quiet time. And I was out. But this question revolutionized my Christian walk. I literally went from this question before that, I was never preaching on the streets. Within three months, I was preaching on the street every day. Within a year, I was putting meth addicts on my couch. People were sleeping on my couch. They were homeless. Two years later, I'm leading an outreach with over 15,000 people. And it all started with this question. I'm not going to share the question this morning. I'm joking, I will. Okay. And This is the question the Holy Spirit asked me. And it wasn't like condemning. I didn't feel ashamed. It was a choice. He gave me a choice. He said this to me. He said, what's more important to you? People's opinions of you or their eternity? And it wasn't condemning. Um, I wasn't like, oh, I hate you, God. It was just like, wow. He made it as if the choice was mine. He said, what's more important to you? And I was like, I would have never dared to have said people's opinions of me. No one's like, people's opinions of me are more important. You know, like that doesn't happen. But I realized subconsciously that's how I was living my life. For me, I would walk through Walmart after that and I was like, I can change that person's eternity with God. But their opinion of me is stopping me. And now it was like haunting me. I was like, 
I can change that person's eternity with God. And then I'd walk by. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to live in fear anymore. And the evangelism looked terrible. I was like, hey, Jesus loves you. And then I'd just walk. <laughs> it's not the great evangelist. It's a journey of overcoming the fear of man. But you'd be surprised at how God will use just our, Jesus loves you. I remember one time I was walking past the gas station super late at night. And I saw, I was just actually trying to find someone to preach the gospel to. And there was a guy pumping gas. And the Holy Spirit was like, speak to that guy. And I was like, God, my discernment came. And I was like, God, he's a gangster. You know, discernment. I'm not going to speak to him, God. Look at his car he's driving. Like, that's obviously dangerous, Holy Spirit. He obviously made a mistake. My discernment. I'm going to keep walking. And the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to speak to that man. So I was like, I'll make a compromise. I will shout across the road and the gas station to this man. It's like a form of obedience. You know, I'll meet you halfway, God. So I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. And I'm walking. And he's like, hey, come back here. And I'm like, oh. Now I'm like quoting scripture. Tell the devil, no, not today. You know, singing everything I need. And I'm walking up to him like, I shall live and not die. I shall live and not die. And I walk up to this guy at the gas station. And he's lit- these are the literal words he says to me. He's like, you're the third person to tell me about Jesus today. How can I get my life right with God? You never know what part you're playing in someone's journey to salvation. I often think, what about the two other people that day? Maybe you felt rejected when you told someone about God and they were rude to you, they told you to go away. Those other two people will never know the fruit of them just saying to someone, Jesus loves you. And it made me think, how many times have I shied away from it because I think that's not powerful? Or I've walked away feeling rejected. Not knowing the journey that person's on to encountering God. And just the simplicity of shouting across the road and a gas station in the one in the morning, out of fear, Jesus loves you. God will use it. And he wants to use us. And, And for me, it was this thing of starting to overcome the fear of man. Starting to live outside of the boxes of other people's opinions. I realized it was if I was living in the courtroom of other people's opinions. Like everything I was doing was constantly moving by someone else's opinions judging me. And those were the, those, every move I was making was like that. And I want to read um, 1 Corinthians 4. Are you guys good? Is this okay? I'm, okay, good. Because for me it was, the, it was a journey. Often we think Christianity is like this place where you get to, but I want to propose it's more of an actual journey. It's a journey because even Jesus was on a journey. He has a verse that might mess with you a little bit theology, like Hebrews 5.8 says that Jesus learned obedience. That'll mess with you a little bit potentially. Jesus learned, God learned. Even Jesus was on an, a journey of learning obedience. He grew in favor with God and man. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in favor. See, breaking off the fear of man, looking more like Jesus, it's a journey. That day when the Holy Spirit asked me a question, I just said yes to the journey. Sure, now, two or three years later, the fear of man is a very small voice for me. But in the beginning, it was huge. But it was a journey to overcome it. It was a journey to say, I'm not going to live in the courtroom of other people's opinions. And Paul lived from that place. And So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 4, and we're going to start in verse 3. This, these two verses here rocked me when I read them. It's crazy. This is what Paul says. 
1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Already that's enough. You're like, that's crazy. The second half of the verse is even crazier. In fact, I do not even judge myself. And you're like, okay, so Paul doesn't care what people think, number one, which is crazy enough. And he's like, I don't even care what I think. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. Listen to the next verse. Verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself. Isn't that crazy? Paul's like, I don't care what you guys think. I don't care what I think. I don't even have anything against myself. I would propose there's a place in the Christian life inside of God, inside of Jesus, where you can be free from your opinions of yourself. Where you can look yourself in the mirror and actually like what you see. Where there's nothing about you you'd actually want to change. Where you aren't ashamed about yourself. That's what he's saying. He's like, I don't even have anything against me. And I'm so free of you. And then he says, the craziest part is, so what he's saying is, I'm not in the courtroom of your guys. I'm not in the courtroom of other people's opinions. I'm not in the courtroom of my own opinions because I'm in God's courtroom. The next verse, he says, I'm not justified by that. I'm not made right by, with God because I have nothing against myself. He says, I'm, I'm made right with God because of Jesus. So he's actually living in the courtroom of God's opinions. And the only way that I believe that's possible is by understanding 2 Corinthians 5.21, that you become right with God. That's the key to living free from your opinions of yourself when you believe that you're completely right with God. You have to believe that. When you start to believe that, you'll start to step out and preach the gospel to people too. Because, see, for me growing up in church, I wouldn't want to preach the gospel. Why would I go to someone and say, hey, you should become a Christian. You can live the rest of your life in shame and condemnation. And you can give up your Sunday morning. Right? No one says it. So subconsciously, when you don't understand righteousness, you're like, I don't want to invite somebody else to church. I don't even like church. I don't even like Christianity. When you understand you're right with God, suddenly you actually want to invite other people into this relationship. That's why this is so important. That's why Proverbs says the righteous are as bold as lions. Because the righteous stop caring what people think about them. The right standing with God stop caring what they think about themselves. How freeing would it be for you to walk into a supermarket, walk into work, walk into church, wherever it may be, and not care what people are thinking about you? See, it's okay to like realize what people think about you or perceive it because that's good in a sense. What I mean by that is this, like, if I was preaching to lots of unsaved people and they were like, I hate your preaching, it doesn't work, and I was like, I don't care what you think. That wouldn't be clever. But the difference is you don't want to be controlled by people's opinions. So it's okay to hear people's opinions. It's actually helpful sometimes. But the difference is you aren't controlled by them. God doesn't want you to live in the courtroom of other people's opinions. God doesn't want you to live in the courtroom of your own opinions. He wants you to live in God's, in the courtroom of His opinion. That you're completely right with God. And when you do that, He'll begin to manifest through you. Jesus begins to live through you because you stop caring what people are thinking and you're literally there to love them. You're like, I don't need anything from you. I love you because I love me. And then God's going to begin to use you to step out. Because when you do that, you'll begin to step out. It does, it's not about being an evangelist. It, it really isn't. It's about being 
a Christian on the journey of looking more like Jesus every day. I'd propose to you that Christianity is, is the journey of becoming like Jesus by believing you are already like him. The Christianity is the journey of becoming more like Jesus by believing you are already like him. See, the only way you'll live like a son and daughter is if you believe you are already loved. The only way you'll live righteous is if you believe that you are already righteous. See, it's Father's Day today, and so we can talk about the Father, how much He loves us. It's this crazy idea sometimes that we fall into this thing in church that you have to understand that when you weren't a Christian, you were an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. But this crazy idea that God loved you while you were an enemy is crazy, right? Like you hated God, He loved you. That idea is nuts to me. And then you come to God, He still loves you, He gives you a new life. And now you think if you make a mistake, God doesn't love you. He loved you when you hated Him. He loves you now. I promise. And now we're like, now I need to work for love. Now I need to work for righteousness. You have to believe that you are already loved. And then when you live like that, you'll start to live like a son and daughter, completely loved by God. And when you live like that, you can start to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I want to move for the last part of this, this last idea is that we need to be people that are going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus learned obedience. It's, it's the... To start, my goal today is for you to start a journey of saying, I'm going to overcome the fear of man and start to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because right now on earth, God wants you to be his hands and feet. And sometimes what we do is we confuse the roles a little bit in the church. So it would be really weird if I walk up to someone and they wanted to shake my hand and I put my head down. Because the head's doing something the hand's supposed to do. So often we're like, God, save my next door neighbor. God's like, go speak to your next door neighbor. See, God wants to use you, each one of you. It's not about being an evangelist. It's just about loving people. I mean, you can keep the excuses if you want. See, I'm not condemning anyone. I had them. But I'm saying it's just much better to, to live free of people. It's much better to just live free and able to love people. And I would propose an idea to you that it's impossible to love people without preaching the gospel. I mean, that might sound harsh, but I would say it's impossible to love people without preaching the gospel. Because I'm like, if I really love you, surely I care about your eternity. You guys happy? Is this okay? Okay. Okay. We live... We live in a time where everybody's angry about something. Am I right? It doesn't take a genius to find an injustice in the world. Right? It's not hard to find an injustice. It takes someone special to actually do something about it. And there's a verse that I believe is, is for a time like this, and it's Daniel 11.32, and it says, it's Those who know their God will be strong and take action. Daniel 11.32, those who know their God, I want to encourage you to know your God. Because that is Christianity, it's listening to God, it's living out what God is saying to you every day. And I'm going to share a story about 
how when you know God, you can step out. Because one of the goals for me as, as a Christian is, God, I'm going to put myself in positions where if you don't show up, I look ridiculous. Yeah, everyone says amen. Now try it tomorrow. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, it's my goal, put myself in, think about Peter in the boat. He gets out. If God doesn't show up and, and he can walk on water, he looks terrible. He looks ridiculous if God doesn't show up. And often churches at youth camps, I understand it, but they have their board shorts on, they have their phones on the beach, shirts off, and then they're trying to walk on water. And then, oh, my ankle got wet. You know what I mean? That's, think about Peter. He's walking on the water in the midst of a huge storm where he's afraid he's going to drown. But if God doesn't show up, he looks ridiculous. But it's because he knows his God. He knows Jesus. And that day, I don't think God was like, Peter's the one I want to walk on water. Peter was the only one that said, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. See, if you want to see the Holy Spirit move in your life, it's up to you. Do you want to stay in your comfort zone? Because you don't need a comforter in your comfort zone. Right? You don't need a helper if you never need help. I want to share a testimony with you. You guys want to hear a testimony? So I was reading a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. Crazy good book. I love it a lot. So I'm reading the book and then I'm doing outreach in Basel, Switzerland, which is like supposed to be one of the hardest places. Everywhere we go, the pastors believe it's the hardest place. It's like they could argue about, no, my town's harder. No, my t- I don't think God's having problems encountering the people he made in, in your town so much. So we're out in Basel, Switzerland and we run into this man, and I'm like, we speak to him for a while, and I'm like, hey, do you want to encounter God? I've been reading Benny Hinn's book, so I'm like, let's just go after it. And I'm like, do you want to encounter God? He's like, yes. So I'm, I'm shocked. I'm like, yes? Uh, okay. Put your hands out like this. I don't know what to do. I'm like, put your hands out. He's like, okay. So I'm like, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And then he's like, yeah, I feel some warmth. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I'm like, isn't that so cool? He's like, yeah, I meditate all the time, and I always feel that in my room. I was like, God, I step out, nothing, nothing. Now I look ridiculous, God. So I'm like, I'm a bit like bummed about it. So I'm like walking, and we're doing outreach, and I'm like trying to forget about that moment, um, like wrestling inside. And then we walk past this group of teenagers, like seven of them. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to really speak to them. Teenagers don't really want God. I'm walking. I know, it's terrible. I know, I know. And then the girl I'm with, who's like this quiet girl from our team, she's like, I think we need to go back and speak to those teenagers. Now, I'm the outreach coordinator for Awakening. I can't say no. I can't be like, no, that's not a good idea. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go speak to those teenagers. So we walk up and I'm just like, do any of you guys have pain in your body? Like very straight. They're like, the one guy's like, well, I have a swollen finger. My God, a swollen finger? Okay, I'll pray for you. So we pray for his finger. He's like, it's actually getting better. I'm like, okay. Someone else is like, well, I have a bruise on my arm. God, a bruise? So I pray. He's like, oh, the pain's left the bruise. I'm like, okay. And then someone's like, well, I have pain in my shoulder. And I'm like, thank you, God. Let's go. So his shoulder gets healed. And now 
they're all kind of like really like focused now. Like we have their attention. So then I just turn and I'm like, I'm just going to take a risk. I'm just going to try a word of knowledge. I get a lot of words of knowledge wrong. A lot. It's not as big of a deal as you think, honestly. It really isn't. Like in Christian minds, we like, if I get a word wrong, they're going to be like, you stupid Christian, you can't hear God's voice. Am I right? We're like, it's a big deal. I'll give you a secret. They have no idea what you're doing. If someone came up to you and they were like, do you have pain in your left knee? Would you be angry? No. You would be super confused and curious. <laughs> but we think it's like, uh-oh, if I get it wrong, everyone's just like, why would you ask? So just go off the words of knowledge. That was a side note. But anyway, I turned and I'm like, do you like to dance? This girl freaks out. She's like, how do you know that? I love to dance. And I'm like, yeah, you do. God speaks to me and you like to dance. So, so the girl I'm with begins to minister to her because she's really touched by that idea. And I turn to the guy next to me. I'm like, do you like computers? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh, well, it was a good run. And this other guy's like, that's me. I like computers. That's for me. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I just got it wrong. It's, it's for you. So, so he's, they're getting rocked. I'm like, God, this is awesome. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to try that encounter God thing one more time. Let's go for it. So I'm like, do any of you guys want to encounter God? It's such a weird question, you know what I mean? Do any of you want to encounter God? I'm shocked the one guy's like me. I want to. I'm like, okay, put your hands out like this. So he puts his hands and I'm like, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come. Because I've been spending hours with God in my room and I love to encounter the Holy Spirit. So I'm like, let's see if you'll encounter this person. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And he's like, my hands are getting warm. I'm like, yes, thank you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. He's like, they're getting hot. So I'm like, this is awesome, God. I'm like, okay, watch, it's going to move up your arms. That's what I say to him. And I'm like, come, Holy Spirit. He's like, the fire's moving up my arms. And this guy jumps back. And I'm like, wow. And now his friend's like, I want to encounter God too. And he just assumes the position. He's, he's ready. <laughs> so, so his friend gets up there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my hand on your chest. Remember, this is downtown Basel, Switzerland. And I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm like, come Holy Spirit. This guy begins to fall over and falls onto the floor. <coughs> I, I don't have my catcher with me. I don't have anybody playing the keys. He just falls. And it wasn't a courtesy fall. You know, if you've grown up in church, courtesy falls, like when you feel bad for the preacher, so you fall. I was a pastor's kid. I've had my fair share of courtesy falls. Sorry, Dad. If you're listening to this, Dad, I apologize. Excuse me. So then he falls on the floor. Now I'm like, this is crazy. So the girl I'm with, I'm like, you need to see this. She's like, keep quiet. I'm preaching. I'm like, no, you, you need to see this. The first guy I prayed for was like, I want to fall. Like he, they barely speak English. And now he's just motioning. He's like, I want more. So I'm like, Okay, so he just assumes he's ready. I, I put my hand on his chest. He falls next to his friend. Middle of downtown Basel, Switzerland. Now I'm like, what do I do? The six friends are like, oh, we have a bus to catch. We've got to go. Liars. Um, I'm joking. They didn't have a bus to catch. It was just kind of awkward now because the two friends were like lying on the floor. So now I'm like, Johanna, 
do we sit next to them? Do we leave? Like businessmen are walking by and they're like, they want to call the cops. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, <laughs> like I don't speak German, so I'm just like motioning like, no, it's good. They aren't really believing me because it's like I'm standing over two teenage boys lying on the floor. So, so after a few minutes, they, they come back, they stand up. And both of them said, I want to accept Jesus. Wow. Yeah. See, the cool thing about that story is that the Holy Spirit's the best preacher of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Afterwards, they received Jesus because the Holy Spirit preached Jesus to them. They encountered his love. And that all started through me saying, I'll look ridiculous for you, God, in order for you to show up. And I don't care what these people think about me. Because if I lived in the courtroom of their opinions, I would be afraid of what, what will they think about me if God doesn't show up. But when we make a choice to be free of that, and we're like, God, I'm going to look ridiculous if you don't show up, and I'm completely fine with that. I'm going to pray for the sick. I can't heal them. So if you show up, it's awesome. If you don't, I look ridiculous, but I'm fine with that. And I want to challenge us today to start this journey of breaking free of the fear of man, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and believing that you are already like Jesus. My goal today wasn't to discourage anyone or to condemn anyone or anything like that, but rather to encourage you to say there's more to the Christian life. That you aren't going to church every day, I mean you aren't going to work every day to make money, but rather you're going to work to encounter people to make a difference in the sphere of society that God's put you. It's not about being an evangelist. It's just about loving God, loving people, and beginning to look more like Jesus every day. Christianity is the idea of looking more like Jesus every day by believing you are already like Him. If you're struggling with sin, if you're going through things in your life, it's time for you to just start saying, no, I'm right with God. In the midst of your problems, you say, no, I'm a son of God. I'm right with God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm loved by God. And when you start to believe that you're free, you'll start to actually live it out. Because God wants to use you to make a difference. Like he says, those who know their God will be strong and take action. And I believe that you can make a difference in your workplace. You can make a difference in your society. You can make a difference in your town. God wants to use you in the place that he's put you. Can you stand so I can pray? Today is more about a choice. The ball's in your court. It's like when God put the ball in my court. He said, what's more important to you? Once I made the choice, His grace came. His empowerment came. He's the one that enabled me to walk it out. All I'm saying to you today is if you can make this choice and say, God, I'm going to start on the journey of breaking free of the fear of man. That's all I'm asking of you. If God puts it on your heart, that's what you say to him today. You say, God, I need help. I need your help to break free of the fear of man. God, I don't want to put people's opinions more important than their eternity, God. I want to make a difference. I want to change people's eternity, Father. And you have to know that you aren't doing it to be loved. You aren't doing it to be righteous. You aren't doing it to gain God's affection. You're doing it because you are already loved and righteous. You're already right with God. It's time to start believing what God says about you, what the Father says about you on Father's Day. What does He say about you? He says you're loved. He says you're righteous. He says you're pure. When you start believing what he says about you, you'll start to live as Jesus lived. Those who say they abide in me ought to live just as I lived. And once you say yes, you can't do it by yourself. The Holy Spirit is the one that will back you up. 
As you put yourself in these positions, the Holy Spirit will show up. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes the difference in your life. He's the one that empowers you to look more like Jesus every day. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this body. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd come right now and begin to touch people. We break off fear off of every person in this room. We come against fear, God. God, I ask for boldness to be imparted. Like in the book of Acts, it says the Holy Spirit and boldness came upon the church. I ask for your boldness to be imparted into this room, Lord. I ask that people in this room would break free of condemnation today, God. Break free of shame today, Lord. They would have a revelation of righteousness. That that first love would come back because they understand righteousness, God. People that have been caught up in this Christian life of always trying to be right with God, where the enemy sold them this lie, God. That today they would realize that they're completely right with you regardless of what they do, regardless of their past, regardless of the struggles they're going through. Because of your son dying on the cross, he became sin so that we become righteous, God. He became sin so that we can become right with you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We ask that you would lead us to perishing people. We ask that you would use us to bring people into an encounter with your love. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Use us to make a difference in this day, God. Those who know their God will be strong and take action. God, we want to know you. We want to make a difference in our society. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Amen. Wow. <laughs> My straw got stretched. <laughs> Man, how many of you guys got like you got more than you expected? Come on, right? Like come on. He's like you're, you're different than what I expected. I don't know what you expected we'd look like, but we we got we got more than we expected this morning. I'm really blessed this morning. Man, I'm I'm really blessed. Ah, oh, thank you, Father. <laughs> How many of you guys are going to go into your closets? Come on, be real, though. Some of you guys were thinking it. You're like, I've got a closet. <laughs> we need less prayer houses, more closets. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Father, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I know what to do, but... Um, if you're on the prayer team, come on up. I want to make room for that. Um, we, we see miracles every, every day, every Sunday. Um, we had a, a woman healed of 15 years of neck pain where she couldn't move her neck from side to side without doing this. And she was healed just over here after one of the services. Um, I want to encourage you guys. We have a miracle team up here. Um, they don't just pray for you. They release miracles. So if you need a miracle this morning, I want to encourage you to come on up. Um, we have a Hearing from God class. We're going to start that. It's in the middle of, this, of the uh, sanctuary over here. I never know what to call this place. Um, we're going to do that in, in about five minutes. Um, beyond that, uh, if you want to, again, one last time, I'm going to have Howard bring a, a, one of our offering boxes right here. If you want to sow into, uh, into Dylan's ministry, into Dylan's life, because you see God on it, and you want to sow into good soil, and, and uh, you know, one, one thing I've heard, I, I like it a lot, is where you sow is where you'll go. It's what you're attaching faith to. You're attaching value and you're, you know, you're what, what you've been given. You're, you're literally, what do you, what do you, if you sow seed, what are you going to grow? That seed. And so if you want to grow in evangelism, if you want to grow in being free of, of, of people, I want to encourage you. This, he's an amazing man of God. I, I got really blessed. So um, you can do that up here. You can make checks out directly to him. Dylan Long, will that work? Um, and if not, you can make the presence OC and then just put his name on the bottom. We'll make sure it gets to him. 
Amen. All right, guys, have an incredible Father's Day. Go love on some dads, and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church. 